Hello, I'm John Deeks, and welcome to the Your Life Choices podcast. Our aim is to keep you up to date with the latest news and information and helping Australians navigate midlife and retirement landscapes with news, articles and retirement resources. And if you have any friends who you think would benefit from Your Life Choices, then we encourage you to have them join the 270,000 plus members. And remember, it's always free to join. And today... We're going to talk about a subject that is difficult for many of us to broach, but one that all of us will face eventually, our death. Now, as we plan for so many things in our lives, like life insurance, wills, etc., there is one subject that, well, most of us overlook, and one we'll all have to face, as I say. But stick with us, please, because this is an important subject. We have a guest on the line that can help you and your loved ones provide a pathway to the inevitable. And I'd like to welcome Dr. Merrin Cooper on the line from Touchstone Life Care. Dr. Merrin Cooper, welcome to you. Oh, good morning, and thank you so much for having me with you this morning. It's a tremendous to speak with you, John. Merrin, it's a, it's a very difficult subject, and as I say, one that we don't like to broach, but one that certainly everyone is going to face eventually because of our immortality. Before we get going, can you give me something about uh, a little bit about your background? Oh, yes, certainly. So um, many years ago, I was 23, and I married my boyfriend of many, many years. Mm-hmm. And very sadly, he developed leukemia six months after we got married. And back then, back in the 80s, treatment for leukemia was pretty horrific. So he had 11 months of chemotherapy, radiotherapy, mm. pretty much in hospital for most of that time. And throughout all of the time, it was keep positive, keep positive, keep positive, which we did. And then he had a bone marrow transplant. And at the end of the bone marrow transplant, the doctor walked into the, into the ward and said, look, Mark, it hasn't worked the leukemia cells have come back. So what do you want to do? If you do nothing, you've got three weeks. If you have more chemo, three months. Or if you have another bone marrow transplant, we don't think you'll survive it. So what do you want to do? And he said, I want to get the hell out of here. And he came home and we caught our breath and cared for him. And he decided he would get strong and have another crack at a bone marrow transplant. Then... Nobody had mentioned you might die. However, a family friend visited who was a chaplain. And back in the day, chaplains sort of had these conversations, but their role is not as common anymore. But he came as a family friend and he said, Mark, no one is telling you is that you're going to die. Whether it is in three months or three years or 30 years, that is going to happen. And it's worth thinking about it. Get angry with God. Tell Mary you love her. Speak to your family. And at the same time, get strong to have that bone marrow transplant. But you can do the both. And so unbeknownst to me, I was actually sort of a pretty naive 23-year-old. He had conversations with that family friend and his life changed. He spent more time on his own, but he became stronger in many ways. Uh, he, was, he was like an arrowhead that was steering and guiding the care he received. And we followed suit. He wasn't just a victim of whatever was happening to him. Mm. And three weeks later, he died. He developed pneumonia and he died. 
and there was a drama from the last day when I was called away, but I was able eventually to be on the hospital bed with him, crying, saying I love you, looking into his eyes, and he said I love you, and he died. But there was nothing left unsaid because we'd said it in those last three weeks. That was a gift that you were given by being able to be there and so many folks... um uh, don't have the, dare I say, luxury of being able to be with someone that they love, someone they care for, to be able to say that final goodbye. Um, what a gift you were given. I was, because somebody else was brave enough mm. to to speak about it in a way that gave Mark choice and control, and then he exhibited that in the way he lived in those last three years. How did that change Dr. Merrin Cooper's approach to end of life? It made me understand that you can have a good death. There was a lot that happened in the last three weeks. Mark was very quiet and he would have times where he would be sort of asleep on the bed, but you knew something else was going on. There was time and space at the end of his life. He wasn't fight, fight, fighting. And so I remembered that as the way somebody can die. Mm. Then... I went on in my world and was a physio. When I was 50, decided I wanted to study medicine, mm. and I did, and wanting to be a GP and working in palliative care. Along the way, I cared for a good friend who died and others, and each of those experiences, somebody had said, this is coming to an end and I'm going to do it at home or in a certain way. And I'd had good experiences, sad, but good of people completing their lives in a way that rounded things off. There was time for everybody to say their goodbyes. Then, working as a doctor on the ward, I saw the opposite. And I was what's called a junior doctor because I was 56, but an intern and a resident. And so we would have conversations at 3 a.m. There would be a 90-year-old person who'd been living on their own fallen over, fractured four ribs, he'd come in, the family are there, it's three o'clock in the morning and you're having a conversation saying, have you ever had a discussion with your father about what care he might want if he suddenly deteriorated? Because the dad can't speak for himself. Now, the people that are often having those conversations were interns or residents like me, mm. but they were 26. So these junior doctors are quite young and people would come in to have a, a hip operation or a heart operation. And they've never had a conversation with anybody. And the first person they're having a conversation with this about is somebody in their late 20s at best. What do you want to do if something goes wrong? Oh, I don't know. What do you think, doctor? And that was happening all the time. So how did that bring you to um, you know, be involved with, with Touchstone Life Care? So... Sometimes people would come in, rarely, with a piece of paper called an advanced care plan. Like a do not resuscitate and etc. Exactly. Yeah. And, and very often it was simply a DNR. And it didn't give the doctors enough information mm. to know what to do. Because when somebody deteriorates, whether that be over many years with dementia or Parkinson's, or sudden deterioration, you get a pneumonia, or you are unconscious because of an accident, we have to know what to do with you. Now, if you have had a stroke, a severe stroke, you really might not want to be resuscitated. 
But if we don't have that, we will resuscitate you because we are trained to save life hmm. and we don't want to be sued. And family will say, do everything, doctor, because they're fearful of sounding callous. Hmm. Or for so many times, we would have somebody with dementia who has not spoken, not gotten out of bed, sudden deterioration, very often with pneumonia because they aspirate, they uh, eat food and it goes down the wrong way. I would ring the family to say, have you ever had a discussion with your mum? She's suddenly deteriorated. We can give comfort care. You can come in and say goodbye. We can give um, medication that will take away her breathlessness and her anxiety and her pain. Or we can give IV antibiotics and treatment and IV potassium and intubate uh, three weeks of antibiotics and send her home again for it to happen perhaps in another three months. Mm. Have you ever had a discussion? Uh, no, no, not usually. Or they might say, oh, my brother knows he's in London. <laughs> right. But there's but there's nothing written down. I guess, look, there's a lot of um, question I have uh, here, Merrin, like the legalities, etc. Yeah. But is there one place that now we can go to to find out more and to, to get a plan in place? Yeah, well, that's why I started Touchstone Life Care because people were coming in and the website is touchstonelifecare.com. It's four words, touchstonelifecare.com. When was, when was this set up? Yeah, so this um, just since about 2018, so okay. in a, couple, a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and people... People were coming in with forms that they've downloaded from a website or written on their own, but many of the forms that exist now are 26 pages long. You have to download them all, fill them in, which is really a threatening thing to do sometimes, intimidating, Mm. and photocopy or post or hope that somebody who takes you to hospital has it. And then when a doctor in ED or a first responder such as a paramedic has to make a quick decision about you. They cannot ring around and find out who's got the damn book. Sure. And they cannot flick through 26 pages to find answers. They need something on the front page. So that's why I got together with digital experts who've written things many, many times. And all of health now is becoming digital. Hospitals communicate digitally. Doctors are on their mobile phones and your health records are on their phones. Mm. That's where your wishes need to be. They need to be protected and communicated digitally. So Touchstone Life Care allows you to print a QR code of your wishes that can be scanned. It can be printed as a form, but it can also be shared electronically via email, via my health record, via a QR code or simply on all of your friends and GPs' um, medical records or or mobile phones. Very simply, Merrin, what kind of documentation would be stored on the Touchstone Life Care um, QR code? Yeah, so what happens is we guide you through a conversation or you can sit down with somebody else to help you click through an online questionnaire. What are your wishes and your preferences? What are the most important things to you in your life? Mm. And what are some of the things that are essential to you for wanting a minimum quality of life? Mm. And then when you get to the DNR questions, it's not yes or no to CPR. It's yes, I would like to be resuscitated if 
it is likely that I will have my minimum quality of life afterwards. So it gives you the sort of what ifs and the yes buts nuances that are needed. It's not simply yes, DNR or no. (laughs) If I have a really bad stroke, no. But if certain things happen and and the reason for this is medical. If you have a fall and you you have a heart attack and you have a fall and nobody finds you for a little while or somebody does CPR on you and it's not a first responder or a paramedic, it's not in a hospital where the CPR is going to be given immediately, really good quality, and your chances of survival are excellent. That's different if you fall in the street or somebody doesn't find you for five hours. Then your chances are completely different. You know, we've been making decisions all of our adult life. We don't want to stop now. We need to make these decisions like adults in the case something happens to me this is the care I would like. Where can people find out more? Well, you can go to Advanced Care Planning Australia. That has a website where you can find out more about this. Advanced Care Planning Australia. Mm-hmm. Or you can go to touchstonelifecare.com. There's other um, LDAC, E-L-D-A-C, End of Life Decisions. So there are various websites all around Australia, most of which will send you to a website where you download a state-specific form. Ah. This this brings us to the legalities. now. Because we're we're about to six or seven different countries, aren't we, within Australia? (laughs) Yes, well, exactly. I mean, why have one form when you can have seven? Exactly. Or one rule when you can have seven. But this is the law. You can download a state-specific form or it's called a statutory form. However, there is a thing called an advanced care directive, a common law or a common law advanced care directive. And that must be considered by a health professional or anybody making decisions about your medical care in any state. The difference between what's called a statutory directive and a common law directive is If you fill in one of these 20-page websites, the statutory form, it must be followed to the T, Uh even if it's three years old. You can download it three years ago and upload it to my health record three years ago. And if I'm that 26-year-old in emergency, you have a stroke. You come in with your daughter and your daughter says to me, my mum has had discussions with me. She's made it clear. She's had a good life. She doesn't want it ruined at the end. But I'm the 26-year-old who says, yes, but three years ago she uploaded a statutory directive to my health record. We have to follow that. Yes. Now, mm. there, there are, it's all a bit grey because doctors want to do the right thing by you. But right in front of their faces all the time is the threat that one family member could sue. So you're saying that, uh, for instance, Touchstone Life Care, you can uh, update the information? Yeah, so that's that's why we've developed this system. Okay. It's live, it's editable. You share it. It's a completely revolutionised the way you do an advanced care plan. An advanced care plan is a bigger picture than an advanced care directive. An advanced care plan consists of two parts. It's got your legal advanced care directive with some of those questions about DNR, and it can also include your substitute decision makers, the people who make decisions on your behalf, who you appoint, mm-hmm. and it can include many other things around your preferences for what's important to your life. So in Touchstone Life Care, we go, okay, what are the most important things in your life? 
And now let's go through some of the scenarios that happen at the end of life. You lose the ability to have control of your bowels or over your bladder. You lose the ability to recognize your family and whereabouts. You have pain or breathlessness. How do you feel about each of those? And it's just a score. It's just the three boxes or an add-along scale to click. But it breaks it down rather than saying what's important to you or what do you want and leaving a big blank page for you to fill in. It guides you step by step to each of these scenarios and you go, that that's fine, that's fine, that's fine. And then suddenly you come to something that says, actually, that would make me not want to stay alive. Dr. Cooper, once again, if people want to know more, they should go to? TouchstoneLifeCare.com. TouchstoneLifeCare.com. Correct. All the information's there, all of what was spoken about and so much more available there as well. Look, thank you so much for giving up your time today. It's a, it's a very important subject and one that many of us don't like to contemplate, but guess what? It's inevitable for all of us. Thank you very much. It's been wonderful speaking with you and uh, I hope that all your listeners can uh, learn a little bit and have chats. We're most, mostly we're trying to get people to talk and then to document those conversations in Don't a way that is true. Don't put it off. Don't put it off. TouchstoneLifeCare.com. Dr. Meryn Cooper, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, John. Bye-bye.